Welcome to Life Church Hurley's audio podcast. We hope this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll enjoy. All right. Well, good morning. Good morning. I think everybody needs hype music when they get up. You sh- when you go to work in the morning, you should have hype music that leads you in to your job every day. That'll be, uh, that's appropriate, right? You agree with that, Michael? All right. Just, just checking. All right. Well, good morning. So uh, we got a baby dedication this morning, and it is so precious to our house. Uh, so come on, Brad and Caitlin. You can bring your whole family up. This is their second son. They're going to have 10 more, but this is their second right now. Come on. Come on. If y'all want to prophesy over them that this morning. Something about arrows in a quiver or, you know, you know what I'm saying, blessings. (laughs) Very good. Oh. Hi, check this out. We have Mr. Elliot Asher Hinton, born October 9th, 2023, to Brad and Caitlin Hinton. How big was he when he was born? Yeah. 7.14. I guess y'all know what that means. I don't know. Seven pounds, 14 ounces. Seven pounds, 14 ounces. All right. I was like, I don't know, 714 ounces. I didn't, I didn't know where we were with that. So, 7.14. Hey, bud. Hey. He's like, what am I doing up here? Uh, so we're so blessed to have them in our family, in our church family. And man, what a way to grow the church Uh, to have families and babies that are raised up in this place from early age all the way through. Amen. And we have a responsibility as a church to minister to them, to speak things over them. So even though they have their family and they have responsibility over their family, we all have responsibility when they walk in that door. You know, I think about our nursery, the people who take care of these, these babies from very early age, uh, Michael will show up on Wednesday night and, and take care of the kids. It's, it's so precious. Uh, and just to minister from the very earliest of age. I think a kid should be an adult and go, you know what? When I was four years old, I was at church. And I remember someone gave me graham crackers every Sunday or whatever, but they ministered unto the Lord to these kids. Amen, church? So we have a really, really deep responsibility to be a continuation of their family to continue to love and to speak what God speaks over them every day that we see them. Amen. And so this morning we get to do the same thing. We get to raise our hands this way and minister by speaking what God shares over them. All right. So we do that this morning. Will you raise your hands this way? And I want you to bless Mr. Elliot Asher Hinton. That's quite a name, man. You better, you're going to be famous with that name. Uh, we're going to bless him this morning with the words of God this morning. Will you pray over him? Lord, we love you so very much. And we come ministering in your name this morning over his life, over everything that you've spoken over him since the beginning of time. Lord, you knew that he would be here on this day. You knew where he would be planted. You knew the family that he would be given to. You knew how precious his name would be to you. Lord, I believe that you gave him his name with purpose. You have spoke over him things that are mighty, things that are only spoken in the the, the 
in the heavenlies, Lord, but we know that what you declare in the heavenlies will be done on earth. Lord, we pray for great grace over him. Lord, we pray that the words of God flow from him, from his spirit, Lord, out of his mouth. Things that he's never heard, things that he's, he's never heard declared before, but you've given him those things since birth, Lord. You've hidden them in his spirit. And when the time is right, Lord, for him to, to speak, Lord, he will speak with, with such grace and with such power that everyone will know that the hand of God is upon him. Lord, we pray that that is that way from a very early age. Lord, the, the things he declares, not the things of, of a normal child. They are the things of a man of God. They are the things of, uh, of a person who walks with God daily. Lord, even when the world cannot see it. Lord, thank you so much for a family who loves you, that will invest you into him. Lord, that will constantly speak, not what we see, not what we see with our eyes, not what we feel, not what we see he's going through, but Lord, we will speak the word of God over him. We will speak power and majesty over him. We will speak good things, God things over him. We will speak a God future over him. Lord, when frustrations arise with, that are natural with kids and teenagers, we continue to say that the word of God will hold true in his life. Lord, let no word that is outside of your word be found in his spirit. Lord, anything that someone says against him or against uh, his character or, or your will for his life, Lord, I pray that it is not absorbed into his mind. It is not absorbed into his spirit, Lord, and he walks proudly with his head high, Lord, knowing who he is in you. Lord, you are a good God and you're going to be a good God to him. Lord, I pray again as he grows and as a, as a teenager, Lord, that he speaks things, he says things that other teenagers do not say, Lord, because he knows you and he knows you intimately. God, I pray that he knows a calling from a very early age. He knows a direction in life from a very early age. He knows deep in his spirit, Lord, what you have for him, Lord, the direction you're going to have for him. Lord, I pray that that sets his feet in motion to where uh, places he'll go, people he will meet, things he will say, a college he will attend, jobs he will accept, jobs he will turn down because he knows of the direction that the Father has given him from a very, very early age. Lord, let the word of God be in his spirit and on his lips all the days of his life. Lord, we love you so very much this morning and we dedicate him back to you. Lord, you gave and we dedicate him back to you this morning, Lord. In the name of our precious, holy name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody in the church said, amen, amen, amen this morning. Amen. Can somebody give God praise this morning for what he's done? Here you go, Caitlin. And we'll have a gift from Mr. Elliot later this week. Amen. We love y'all so very much. Isn't this good? Look at that. I know they have family that lives in other states, came in uh, to be a part of a birthday and a celebration this weekend. So very cool. Very, very cool. All right. Are we in live church this morning? Yeah. Just checking before I ask. Who is ready for the word of God this morning? Come on. All right, so if you have your Bibles, go to uh, Deuteronomy real quick. 
So last week we left off. Do y'all remember what we talked about last week? What'd you say, Bruce? Oh, that's so good. Being obedient and seeing the glory of God. He said, if you'll do these things, then the glory of God will be upon you. And it was that simple. But within that, we also saw that when you choose to not do the things that God has asked you to do, or even overstep your bounds and try to create something of God, God said that that was an unholy fire. How many of y'all want a holy fire in your church? Anybody? How many want a holy fire in your life? But do you know that we can try to create a fire of God and that is an unholy fire? When we overstep our bounds and think we know how to draw God in and we know what God wants and what his desires are. And when we try to create a false fire, that is an unholy fire unto God. So that was in Leviticus. We're going to start in Deuteronomy here this morning and then go over to Leviticus and look at something else. But anytime there's a man-made attempt to be perfect like God, and anytime man tries to create something that God did not ask for, it's not perfect and it's not holy. Doing things that God never asked for in order to see his perfection will never work. Amen, church. If God didn't want it, then it's not perfect in his sight, and it's not holy. It's not what he asked for. And you'll never be able to create something to see God move. You'll never be able to come up with some way of your own and think, if I do this, then God will surely move. All God is asking his people to do is to be obedient to his word at all times. And sometimes it's not flashy. It's not what we want to see. Sometimes we want to hurry God up or we want God to move in a certain way or we're jealous of what some church down the road has. And, oh, man, they have revival breaking out. And, and maybe if we held revival services, then God would show up. But God says, I want you to be obedient to what I want you to do for your house. Amen, church. Amen. And the thing that is so comforting is it takes all the pressure off of us and puts it all on God. Because if all we're doing is obedient, there's a simplicity found in God. And God says, when you are obedient, my glory will be there. And that's all we're desiring. All we're desiring is for the glory of God to be here. The fire is all-consuming. The fire is all-consuming. I just asked, how many of y'all want to see the fire of God in your church? How many of y'all want to see the fire of God in your personal life? And that sounds so good. But do you know that the fire of God is all-consuming? So be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you ask for. So if you're asking for the fire of God in your life, just know that the fire of God is all-consuming. Right? Do you know what fire does? It burns things up. And if God has an all-consuming fire, it means some things are going to burn to the ground. Now, who wants an all-consuming fire in their life? You sure? Just, just checking. Amen. Amen.
I hope that that's all of our hearts. But how many of y'all know that a consuming fire is very scary sometimes? How many of y'all know that a consuming fire, a holy consuming fire, y'all ready? Consumes everything that is not holy. And I don't know if you've ever done a self-evaluation before. We seem to have a lot of unholiness in our lives. And so when we say prayers like, God, let a holy fire consume me, it means that everything unholy must go away. And God does it. He'll burn it to the ground. But you know what that means is the only thing that we're left with is holiness. When God, when the consuming fire comes in, the only thing that is left is what's holy. Y'all know that we sing about that all the time. We sing about it this morning. We sang about a holy fire this morning. We sang about an all-consuming fire this morning. How many, how many of y'all know the song Set a Fire? You know what that song's about? A fire? It's real simple, right? It goes like this. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and... What? All right, so you're on the same page. Because I want more of you, God. I want more of you. If you're going to ask for an all-consuming fire, you cannot control that fire. A, a couple weeks ago, I burned our Christmas tree. And don't you know that we watered that Christmas tree one time in like a month and a half. And so when I lit it, it almost burned my eyebrows off. I lit that Christmas tree and that was the biggest flame I think I'd ever seen coming off one little area. I mean, it was huge. It was so dry and that tree burnt so fast and so well. And I posted it to Instagram and I put the song, Oh, Christmas Tree behind it. And it was beautiful. <laughs> oh, Christmas tree. <laughs> you know what that fire did? It burnt everything that was dry and dead off that tree. And it did it so quick. And once I lit it, there was no controlling that fire. I could not stop that fire. I could not convince that fire to stop. There was nothing I could do. That fire was all consuming to that Christmas tree, except for like two little needles on the very, very end that it didn't get. And my, my son went out there the next day and just went, and it went, whoop, and it was gone. You cannot control the fire of God once it starts. Amen, church. And then this morning we sang new wine. It says, there's new freedom and the kingdom is here. I lay down my old flames to carry your new fire today. I mean, we sing about it, but how many of y'all know that's scary? That's a scary thing. Because once you start the fire of God in your life, it's kind of all consuming and it's going to run through and, and all you're going to be left with is, is holiness. And maybe for some of us, that's not a big part of our life right now. And all the unholiness burns up really, really quick. I want you to see this. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 23. It's very early on. It's the fifth book of the, the Bible. It's Old Testament, obviously. And it's the first time in the Bible that we see the two words, consuming fire, uh, talking about in reference to God, to what he is and what he does. Consuming fire. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 23. We're going to read two verses. It says this. It says, take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make for yourselves 
a carved image which God he had made with you and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. And then at the very end, it says he is a jealous God, which means God, his desire is for you not to have any God before him. He's jealous. He's, he's coming. He wants to, you and him to be in right fellowship at all times. He's a jealous God with a consuming fire that once it starts, there's no stopping it. And that's a good thing. Now, that's Old Testament. Now, look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26, New Testament. We're going to see the exact same words, consuming fire, because God is the same from the beginning as he is from the end. Hebrews 12, 26, it says this. It says, God's voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but I'm going to shake heaven. Now this, yet once more, this once more shaking, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken, church, this is huge, God will shake in order that the, everything that's man-made that can be shaken will be shaken, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. And then he says this, verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear and then it ends by saying, for our God is a consuming fire. God says, I will shake heaven and I will shake earth. I will shake your life. I will shake it down because I'm a consuming fire. And whatever is holy, whatever is righteous, whatever cannot be shaken are the only things that will be left. Now, how many of y'all want a consuming fire in your life? All right, we're getting less and less. That's okay. Kind of expected that. Might be less by the time we get to the end. So we see the Old Testament, New Testament, same word, consuming fire. And when we left off last week, we saw Moses and Aaron and Aaron's sons. Moses is going to set up the priest. And Aaron and his sons are going to be the first priest. That's pretty good, right? And so we see them establishing the priest. They're going to make sacrifices as priests for the first time, they're going to put the sacrifices on the altar and then the all-consuming fire of God because they're obedient down to every little thing that God said. The all-consuming fire of God is going to come out and consume the sacrifice that's on, on the altar. And when God consumes, it is so overwhelming that the people are in awe of this fire. They've been doing this probably all day. And they've been seeing the fire this man made. But when God's glory came down, they were in awe because this fire was different than the fire that man made. Amen. And when this fire showed up, they knew that it was the glory of God. They knew that it was pure. They knew that it was righteous. And everybody, hundreds, thousands of people fell on their face instantly because the glory of God had showed up. That's good, right? But... As we know, Aaron had two sons that were going to be priests who saw that and they went, 
I think I can do that. Like, I saw what they did. They put it on the altar and they had the fire. And I think I can do that too. And I think that if I do that, but I'm going to do it over there. I think that if I do that, then God will show up for me just like he showed up for them. And then people will look at us and they'll think that we're important and they'll think we're spiritual and, and they'll follow us and, and, and it'll all be great. But God goes, that's not how this works at all. And we see what happened. How many of y'all ready for consuming fire in your life? <laughs> because if you were here last week, you know the rest of the story that the same consuming fire that consumed the offering was also a consuming fire to the sons. And because they were unholy in the presence of God, that consuming fire killed them. There was nothing left. And so let me ask you, how many of y'all want a consuming fire in your life? Because what it does is it takes away the unholiness And Aaron had to stand there before God. And I want to read this to you again. We read it last week. But I, want to read, I want to read this to you again, what Moses declares over Aaron. As his sons have just been consumed by the fire. Here's what Moses said. Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1. Just those four verses again, real short. It says, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke. Moses reminds Aaron who God is. God says, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. And we read this really profound statement that came after that. It said, so Aaron held his peace, which means that Aaron did not cry for his sons because he was so compassionate toward God. And he wanted the righteousness of God to shine through more than the arrogance of his sons. And so it says, so Aaron held his peace because the righteousness of God was more important in that moment. Now, there is not a parent in the room that would not want to bawl your eyes out if that were to happen to your kids. But in that moment, Aaron found God more important. Now look at the end, verse 4. It says, Then Moses called to Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. And we're going to see that in a minute. In other words, hey, just get rid of the bodies and let's keep going on with what God has called us to do. It can be so easy to look at this crazy scripture that is just, we hope we are never in. It's so easy to look at that and see that as what the consuming fire does, right? Like it, it is, it, it consumes all unholiness in our life. If we're going to pray for it, if we're going to ask for it, just buckle up, Amen. like get ready. Because the consuming fire is coming. But well, we can think it's just that. But y'all know that the consuming fire is so much more than just that. The consuming fire is so much more than just destruction and getting rid of things. And God is good. 
And the reason why we can sing joyous songs of praise about a consuming fire is because that consuming fire is precious to his church. It is precious to us. The glory of God, the fire of God, the fire that you see throughout scripture is shut up in our bones. The the fire that that we feel that, man, when Jesus walked with us, I, I felt the fire in me because it is precious to his church that God would give us something so incredible that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Amen. It is a consuming fire. Do you know that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you are a product of God's fire, you are a product today of the consuming fire of God. I want want you to see something real quick and then we'll kind of come back to this. Jeremiah chapter 24, verse three. If you have your scripture, go ahead and turn there. I want you to see this real quick. Jeremiah, the great mighty prophet in God, is standing there and we don't really know, but it, it, it looks like Jeremiah is seeing two baskets of figs. So either he sees them and then God gives him revelation or God has given him some kind of dream or vision about them. It's irrelevant. He is seeing two baskets of figs. One, one basket is great. These figs are great. These are the ones you want. These are, these are freshly picked and they look delicious. And then you have another basket of figs who that have been sitting for a while they're bad. You're never going to consume them. You don't want that basket of figs. And, and God gives Jeremiah some deep revelation about two baskets of figs. All right, now don't go home and look at your bananas and think God's going to give you the revelation. I'm just saying that maybe he could. God shows us things throughout life and reminds us back to his word about who he is. And so God has done something amazing here with Jeremiah, starting at verse 3. The Lord said to me, Jeremiah, what do you see? That is a question that a lot of us will be asked all throughout life. You're going to be looking at a lot of destruction in your family or things going on or chaos or or whatever. And God's going to ask you, but what do you see? And you're going to say, well, I see chaos and destruction. And God's going to go, no, no, no. What do you see? What am I trying to tell you in this? So that's what God's saying. Jeremiah, what do you see? And Jeremiah said, well, I see figs. <laughs> Makes sense. I see the good figs, very good. And the bad, very bad, which cannot be eaten. They are so bad, just so God knows they are bad. Look at verse four. And again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge those who are carried away captive from Judah whom I have sent out from this place for their own good into the land of the Chaldeans. For I will set my eyes on them for good and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them and not put them down and I will plant them and not pluck them up. Then I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God. For they shall return to me with their whole heart. Those are the good figs and I'll explain that. And then in verse 10, God says, And I will send the sword with famine, with pestilence among them, till they are consumed from the land that I gave to them and their fathers. Now I want you to see what's going on without really digging into this whole story. God, his people, have been carried away from their land. 
Their king is evil, just as we see over and over again. Their king is not following God. And God has sent his people outside of the land. Now, I don't know if you've ever been uh, carried away or if you've been taken out of a place that you thought you wanted to be in. That's not a good place to be, is it? Can you imagine being comfortable? You have a great job. You're making a milli or whatever you make a year. You have a good living. Like you're doing great. You have friends. You have family. You have a nice house. You have a car. You, you have everything and then it seems like it's stripped away. There are people in this room who have had everything going right and then lose a business or you, you lost a, a family, you've lost a, um, a family member or you lost a job and it feels like you lost everything. Right? I love what God says. God says, in this circumstance, those are the good figs. How's that possible? Can you imagine being those people? It says they were led away captive. Can you imagine how they were mocked? Can you imagine being led to a foreign land that you don't want to be in, that your people are not from, and yet you're the good figs? Can you imagine looking back and there's people staying in your hometown and you're waving and, and you're being led captive and all you want to do is, is go home and yet there you are. Maybe you're in chains. You're being led away with your family and your kids. And yet God says, hey, I'm going to call you the good figs. And they're the bad figs. They're like, but they get to stay home. That's the bad figs. And God, as you're being led away, you, you feel like God abandoned you. You feel like, Maybe God doesn't love you and maybe God's not with you and maybe God's not speaking to you because there you are in chains and you're being led away, away from everything you know, away from everything you want, away from everything you desire and then not realizing that God is the one leading you out of the place that you want to be. And you're like, but God, I want to be there. And he goes, but the good figs are going to go into captivity for a little while. Do you know why? It's crazy. It's because God's judgment was going to come on that place. And God removed his people. So even the innocent people would not fall into the realm of the judgment of the land. And so they thought that they lost everything. But God protected them. God loved them. God anointed them. God blessed them. God spoke to his people and said, I want you to know that you are the good figs in my eyes. You are the people that I call mine in my eyes. And you might not like where you're at, but God has placed you so you don't experience the destruction and the judgment that's coming. And you might not like what's been stripped out of your life, but God says, I did it to protect you. And you're like, but I loved what I had. But God goes, you have no idea what was coming your way. And God says, I did it for you because I considered you a good fig. He took his people out. He cast judgment on the evil leadership. And then once the evil leadership was gone, you know what God did? He brought his people back into their land. That's what a consuming fire does. 
we might not always like what God is doing. But I'll promise you that everything that God does is for his righteousness. And God declares that I'll do it for your good. Even when you can't see it, even when you don't know what all's happening, you might not even know the king. You might not have ever met him, shook his hand. Just know that I'm doing everything for your good. Yeah, but God, I, you, you, I thought you gave me what I had. And, and God, at one time, you know, it was precious and, and everything in my sight. And God says, I took it away for you. It had to go. There had to be judgment cast on those things. And you had to be saved from it to bring it back. That's what a consuming fire does. It consumes the unholiness and it leaves the holiness and the righteousness. And so even though we want to hang on to some things, God says it has to go. So you're only left with holiness. You're only left with the best of what you need to have in your life. Amen. And we go, God, I'm, I'm devastated. You, you know they had a lot of heartache. You know Aaron had a lot of heartache. You know Aaron's standing there going, that's my sons. I mean, I know they messed up, but that's my sons. That's what a consuming fire. I was at the, this is years ago, I was at the drive-thru of the pharmacy. I don't even, I think my mom was real sick at that time and I was going to pick up her cancer meds or whatever. And I look over and the car next to me and the guy is on oxygen. He looks like he died like yesterday, right? Like he looked bad. And I had never seen anybody get that many prescriptions at a drive through window before. I'm pretty sure it was a duffel bag they sent to the little tube or something. It was, it was like bags, white bags of medication, like big full bags of medication. He's on this oxygen. He looks pitiful. He looks like death made, you know, it's unbelievable. And he's smoking a cigarette. Which I didn't even know you could do when you're on oxygen. Maybe he's just trying to end it all at one time, you know. We're really bad at getting out of our own way, aren't we? And we'll hang on to death and destruction, even though we know that it's killing us. But when we ask for the consuming fire of God, it is not a bad thing. It is not a bad thing. It can be scary because of the things that might have to go away in order for us to see the holiness and righteousness of God pure in our life. And we go, but God, I really want to hang on to this. And he goes, no, 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 you don't. Trust me, you don't. Because when the fire of God comes in, all that stuff just goes away. And all you're left with it's the God in your life. Now, let me ask you, as a believer, how many of you want a consuming fire in your life? I hope the next time we sing one of those songs, oh God, you're a consuming fire, that we understand that things might get real in our lives. That things might not be the way we would have planned or organized or structured or whatever, but my goodness, God is doing such a work that's going to leave us in his presence. A consuming fire. Now in Leviticus chapter 9, that's where we were last week. We were at chapter 10. I want, you, I want to go back just a few verses because I want you to see something that's so good. Leviticus chapter 9, starting at verse 20. We're going to read those three verses right there. 
there is something powerful going on. And I want you to see it. So Leviticus is right here where we're talking about Aaron's sons being consumed. They gave the, the wrong offering and they're trying to do things their own. But here's what happens right before that moment. Just the, these three verses right before that moment. It says this. It says, and they put fat on the breast and then he burned the fat on the altar. But the breast and the right thigh, Aaron waved as a wave offering before the Lord, as Moses had commanded. And then Aaron lifted his hand toward the people, blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offering. Now, that's a lot going on. Here's what's happening. God has explained to them all these different offerings they need to give, right? Sin offering, peace offering, whatever. And they're explain, he's explaining to the priest exactly how to do each one. And when they get to the peace offering, God says at the very, very end, when you have consumed everything on the fire, the altar, the consuming fire has burned everything up. He says, at the very, very end, I want you to take these two portions and I want you to hold it up to me and wave it. It's a wave offering. Here's my sacrifice. What? I mean, they've been, they've been burning all this meat all day long and then they get to the very, very end and they pick it up and they just wave it and they put it back down. What in the world? And what happened was, was at the very, very end, God says, I want you to wave these things and these will be the portions that are not consumed by the fire, but you'll have a portion for the priest and then a portion will go back to the person that's making the sacrifice, that's making the offering in the first place. Wait, so we've consumed the whole animal. And yet at the very, very end, there's just a portion left. And we wave it. And then the priests have to eat it. Lord, what is happening? It was a reminder to every believer it was a reminder to every believer what God had given them in the first place. And so the wave offering was them saying, hey, God, thank you so much. And then God going, you keep that. You keep that portion. That's what I want you to have. You keep it. You have recognized that I gave it to you in the first place. You have made this sacrifice and it costs you a lot. It costs you a lot to make this sacrifice. That's the whole point of a sacrifice. Then it costs something. And God says, it cost you something, but you know, I'm going to give you a portion back because you honored me with what you gave me. Amen, church? Amen. And it's God saying, I'm going to consume everything, but not everything. I'm going to let you keep a portion. I'm going to give you a portion that you will be so thankful in recognition of what I have done in your life, that you'll be so thankful to receive something back from my hands. Isn't that so good? And so we, looked at the, we look at a consuming fire and we go, hey, I don't want that. And God goes, oh, man, at a consuming fire is a place where I give you back the portion I want you to have. That's so good. And so I know sometimes we're intimidated by this idea of God's consuming fire and 
you can put it in this context saying, you know what, if I, if I start going to church again, if I start getting active and, and God's going to want me to act a little different and say things a little different and go different places and, and, and maybe run my family a little different. Now, I'm just not comfortable with that. God goes, I just want to leave you with holiness. And yeah, but God, you know, I'm, I might have to like stop hanging out the way I hang out with people and, and they're going to judge me. And, and God goes, yeah, but I'm just leaving you with holiness. Yeah, 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 but God, you see, I've built my life on certain things and I do not want to get rid of X, Y, and Z. And God goes, I'm just trying to leave you with holiness. His consuming fire is all about his holiness. Amen. His consuming fire is a gift to the church. His consuming fire is God's presence coming into our life saying, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to give to you. You will love the result of my consuming fire. Amen, church. We're guaranteed to love the result of God's consuming fire in our life. Now, Leviticus chapter 10, verse 7. I want to close with this. And we'll continue next week. It says this. Aaron is standing there. Two sons have been consumed. He's standing there with his other sons, standing there with Moses. And I want you to see probably the most beautiful thing that God says to Aaron after this moment. Aaron does not shed a tear. Aaron is understanding of God. Aaron now has to turn around and continue to, to minister to people. And to give sacrifices in this moment. Leviticus 10, 7 says, You shall not go out from the door of the, of, of the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. What does it say? For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. I could just imagine the people that were being led out of their country thinking that God abandoned them, God left them, God doesn't love them. How can you take these things away from me? And God looking at them going, yeah, but my anointing oil is on your head. And Aaron is standing there giving these sacrifices and his sons are consumed. They die right there and they carry the sons off. And then he has to continue ministering, just smiling, welcoming people, blessing people. And God goes, Aaron, I know you've been through a hard time in your life in this moment, but just know this, that the oil of my anointing is on your head. Don't leave this place until you fulfill everything that I'm asking you to fulfill because my anointing is on your head. Church this morning, let me just declare to you, you did not lose your anointing because you went through something. God's presence did not leave you because somebody hurt you or church hurt you or, or whatever you've been through. God's anointing is still on your head. The oil of joy is dripping from your head. And God's saying, I want to use it. I want to use it. Don't get wrapped up in what you lost because I want to use the anointing that is still on you. Amen, church. Don't get burdened. Don't get beat up. Don't get your mind wrapped up in what happened in the past. God says, in this moment, I want to use you. I know you lost somebody in your family. I get it. God's anointing is still on you. 
I get it. You lost that ministry that you adored so much. It became a God to you. And so you didn't need God because the ministry became God. Same thing that happened to Aaron's sons. I get it. But God's anointing, anointing is still on you. Amen, church. God still wants to use you. He's never left you. You know what? When God was leading those people out, they didn't feel like the anointing of God was on them. But I'm going to tell you this. When they were heading back, they sure did. When they were heading back into their city and they were saved from destruction, I can guarantee you they felt the oil of the joy of gladness all over them. I can guarantee you they felt the presence of God walking with them and they finally understood, hey, I've been gone for a long time, but God saved me from this and I'm back. And God never left me. He walked with me. He loved me the whole time. God did this for me because his anointing was on my head. Amen, church. So we cannot allow the enemy to tell us a deception of what God is doing. We can't allow the enemy to start speaking to us and telling us that God is not with us when God says, I've done this since the beginning. Church, we need to know the word of God. We need to know what God is speaking over us. We need to know what God has spoken over our family. We need to know who we are in him. I Remember Joshua Holder a few years ago? Who told you? Our bishop in Ghana. Who told you? The enemy is speaking a lot of lies and deception. And instead of seeing the hand of God, and instead of seeing the protection of God, the enemy tells us that God left us a long time ago. But I'm going to tell you, when you walk back in, you'll understand that God's always been with you. Amen, church. Can we pray this morning? God is saying, regardless of family, regardless of culture, regardless of rulers, the faithful are still anointed. Those who said, God, I will follow you regardless, those are still anointed with his oil. You might be the only one. You might be the only one that's left. There were probably people that were in that exile. They were the only ones in their family that left. Regardless of family, regardless of what your parents spoke over you, regardless of what your siblings think of you, regardless of your ex Regardless of the perspective of your family tree, your line in the family tree, God says the faithful are still anointed. The faithful. God, may we be found faithful in your presence. Here's what I want you to do as you're praying. Everybody in the house, even if it's hard to say, can, can we just acknowledge to God? Can we pray to him and say, God, I may not always want it, but I'm asking for a consuming fire. I'm asking for that purifying fire that not only reveals things, it just goes ahead and destroys it. It takes it out. I don't want it. I don't want unholiness in my life. 
I don't want unrighteousness following me all the days of my life. God, I want you. I want your joy. I want your grace. I want your holiness following me all the days of my life. I can promise you you're going to love the result. You'll be lighter. You'll have less burdens to carry around. You'll have less anger and frustration. God says, my burdens are light. God says, he carries those burdens. pray this morning can you see it in your life as you're praying I want you to allow God to speak to you allow him to show you some things it might be a couple baskets of fruit that he's talking about but it might be a God given vision of what he wants to speak over you come on just a few moments prayer this morning. Come on, the altar's open. Everybody in the house is praying. Come on, y'all keep praying. Let me get a couple of elders and maybe some ladies that will pray. Said we, we need a realization that we need that consuming fire constantly. We need that walking into his presence and purity. We need his goodness. We need to be left with just him sometimes. We're standing there and we say, thank you so much. Thank you so much that this is what you chose. This is the portion that God chose to give to me, to place in my hands. And, and I will love this portion. I will love it because God chose it.
you are so, so very good. So when we make declarations like you're enough and God consume me and we love you, you're precious to us. Oh, we might not always be 100% committed, but we speak these things in hopes, Lord, that our lives will be revealed and, and open will be more of a consuming fire today than you were yesterday. We thank you. We thank you for what's left. We, we thank you for what's no longer here. Lord, that we can see that, that we can see the consuming fire that you took it. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that moving forward, Lord, we can see the holiness. We can see the burnt edges. We we can smell it. It's so real to us that, man, we foolishly lived our life for a long time, consumed with things that don't matter or things that we don't even miss anymore. And yet, Lord, you took them away and we didn't even, didn't even need them in the first place. But your calling, your goodness, your words over us. Lord, what a life. What a life to live, simply walking with you. Lord, even if it's in the captivity, we just walk and trust and obey. And we choose to say that my God knows best. We might not understand it, might not even want it, but we choose to say that, Lord, you know best. We love you. In this house, we declare that we love our God. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that your work on the cross was perfected, it was done, it is finished as you declared, and that we get to walk in that finished work every day. We adore you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being our Lord and Savior. Thank you that we get to call you God and you call us yours. And isn't that precious, holy, righteous, loving name that we pray and we declare this morning and the church said, amen, amen, amen. Can somebody love on God on your way out this morning? Encourage somebody and we'll see you soon. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast. If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at life-church.org.